everyone. I'm Trisha Bell. Hi, I'm Georgie Young. And welcome to CTE Talk, a podcast where we talk all about CTE, concussion culture and sport, and life as a family member. Every Monday, we will be joined by guests to shed light on the neurological disease, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Join us on our mission to raise awareness and educate others. everyone and welcome back to CT Talk. Today we are joined by the wonderful Libby Bates who is from Coming Home Well which is a non-profit organisation working to support veterans and their caregivers. Um, Libby is a spouse to a veteran so she's here today to share a bit about her experiences um, with CT and what she knows about it and also the lovely work that Coming Home Well do as a non-profit organisation. So Libby would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Hi guys, I'm Libby Bates, and I appreciate that Georgia and Trisha that you're having me here today to talk on the CTE podcast. I was so excited to find the podcast, Um, and I'm a military spouse, and I just appreciate that you guys are opening up this conversation to military service members and their families as well. Um, You know, we had just got out of one of the longest wars in American history, right, with the war in Afghanistan and Iraq, one of the longest wars that we've been in. And um, what people don't realize is a lot of our service members are coming back with injuries that in previous wars they would have died from, right? So you got the traumatic brain injury. And so as a military spouse, um, myself and my husband are just advocating for our veterans and our families that have traumatic brain injury. And has it affected your family directly? Directly, yes. Um, So my husband deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, So in his last deployment, he was a part of, he had, was experienced a lot of uh, TBI blasts um, and direct hits to his vehicle. Mm -hmm. So the, the third, he was exposed to four of them. Um, like direct hits on his vehicle. And um, so the third one was probably the worst one. Um, We started noticing that he was starting to have tremors in his hands, um, different things like that. Um, So he had had the third one, July of 2009. He had the fourth one in September of 2009. So he didn't have hardly any, you know, any time to kind of recover from that, you just go right back out into the field, right? right. So, um, yeah, he was. So he had a lot of, um, a lot of uh, symptoms. Initially, it was, um, you know, he he came home and he was having the tremors and things like that. Then it was the headaches, sort of some like brain fog, kind of some memory memory issues. Not really anything significant. Um, at that time. And, and just let me point out that he was in his twenties. So that's another thing that we need to take into consideration as these, these soldiers are coming back from these wars in their twenties and thirties that are having these, Mm. you know, um, residual effects from brain trauma. Um, So, but initially it had started out with tremors and it has progressed. He's now 38. Um, It's progressed into full on body tremors. He has spasticity. Um, He has a lot of like neurological issues. Whereas, and typically when you think of um, 
people that have CTE or brain injuries, you're thinking older generation where it's like progressing, right? Mm. Neurologically mm-hmm. progressing. And it started progressing quite quickly. And so we were like, what is happening? You know, um, I, I told Georgia that when he was deployed, I was enrolled in college as a therapist, a, a PTA, but I didn't really put, it didn't like register to me that he was starting to experience effects of traumatic brain injury. I was just kind of putting it off to like, it's PTSD, you know, like reintegrating back into home, that type of thing. Um, but then when the, the neurological issues started to, to come quickly, we're like, something's not right, you know? Okay. So how old was he after his last deployment? Like when, when was he done with service? 24. 24. Wow. Yeah. So he was 24. So he's not even fully developed yet. No, no. And you know, I always, my husband is such a highly intelligent man. Um, he was salutatorian of his class in high school. Um, he, he likes to joke around that I would have been valedictorian had my middle school teacher not like messed my math class up, but (laughs) what is a valedictorian? Cause we hear that over here in the UK, but we don't have that, whatever it Uh is. It's like, it's like the top students in that class, that graduating class. And they, you know, they they can get in high school. Yeah. They can get awards and scholarships and things like that for academia. And they usually give the, the, the big speech at graduation yes. yes okay exactly okay yeah yeah so he, you know he um see he's highly intelligent um but he was just starting to experience a lot of you know things that he was in college he enrolled in college so he was having trouble remembering you know his just stuff he was having a hard time retaining it you know he would come home and be like I can't stuff anymore in my brain like I just he would get like physically ill um Mm. and so um yeah he he just really struggled a lot with the with the college uh, aspect he he ended up dropping out of courses and and that was a struggle for him you know like somebody who doesn't struggle with you know Mm. academia and is now struggling with that um but he joined the military after high school um, yeah so but yeah he was experiencing a lot of n- neuromuscular issues um so he now has a back lift and pump he um has progressed to taking parkinson's medication um you know and he's in his 30s he's 38 so i'm like mm-hmm. what is the what is the effects what are going to be the long-term effects of being on a medication uh, like Parkinson's at such a young age, because typically you're thinking, you know, men and women are, are treated for Parkinson's in their older ages. So what is going to be the long-term effects of that is, is one of my concerns, you know, but at the same time, he has to have that medication in order to be able to move. And you have they diagnosed him with anything in particular? So he has a traumatic brain injury. Um, they, have diagnosed him with um, spasticity. The issue is he was, a lot of the problem um, with his care was he was not being treated properly and like he was being misdiagnosed. So they said he had essential tremors, then it turned into dystonia, then spasticity. So it's like, I think they're just like throwing a bolt, you know, mm. like a bolt thing at the bullseye and seeing if it'll stick. You know what I mean? To see what's going to be better for him in his mm-hmm. recovery. Has anyone mentioned suspected CTE to you? So like I said, my husband um, loves to um, research. 
I don't know if I said that or not, but he does love to research and, and learn new things. So he was uh, researching because, you know, we we're navigating his care, trying to figure out what was all going on with his body, mentally, physically, and, and the like. And um, he started researching on um, Dr. Goldstein from uh, Boston University was doing um, research on mice and blast injuries. And so he's like, you know, learning about that. And then he came upon a research that Mount Sinai was doing with Dr. Gandhi. And um, they were doing a radio, radio tracer. So they were trying to find uh, tau markers of tau in the living brains of military service members. Initially, um, they were doing it you know, on elites. And my husband reached out to Dr. Gandhi and his team to ask if he could be a part of the research and that they would do it on military veterans. So he did this without me knowing. <laughs> um, and then he told me later after they accepted him into the research program that um, we we're gonna go to New York and do the testing. And so what we went to New York and did the testing and it's a radio tracer and it basically binds to the, um, the towel that's in the brain and so if there's markers of CTE, then they would be able to tell on the scans, on the PET okay. scans. So we were able to be a part of that. That research was almost seven years ago. Um, okay. And so we've kind of just been at this really just talking about brain injury, traumatic brain injury, just trying to educate people more on, you know, um, the side effects of brain injury, the long-term effects and um, the research that is out there that people can be a part of. So um, for the, re it was for the research itself, um, it was, they, they don't typically tell you when you're in a research program, like what the results are. Like you don't see the, the films or, or anything like that, but they called us to let us know that he did have um, multiple markers that they'd, they'd found in the scan on his frontal lobe and his parietal. And so we're like, okay, so now we kind of know, you know, like that this is present and that this is happening. Um, and so initially with that, it was, I was kind of, my husband kind of calls me the, well, he doesn't kind of call me, he calls me the queen of denial. <laughs> um, <laughs> he calls me the queen of denial just because when you when you get that kind of news you're like okay is this real or, or is this something that we have to really deal with here and so i was going through a little bit of denial um during the testing and all of that he actually went through the test twice um because they asked just if we wanted to come back and film it for 60 minutes which i was like okay we're gonna put our whole life out here on on tv for people to judge and <laughs> right yeah. So we did go through that, which was really, it was tough, but just hearing that, that initial, um, initial test was fine. But then seeing the first time that we seen the actual PET scan was on TV or we didn't see the films or anything like that. And typically I don't think that's even, you know, you don't see those in a research program, right. um, but we seen them on, so that was kind of a shock, you know, I don't yeah. know if you've seen I don't know if you've seen the episode or, or seen the, the scan picture of the scan itself, but it's like bright yellow, orange, where it showed up, the towel tangles have shown up. Mm. 
So, and, and um, again, I just want to, I wanted to let our audience know, we talked about it last episode, but the tauopathies are those, those deposits of protein in the brain that can help differentiate between different neurological conditions. Right, Georgia, yeah. basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You hit it on the nail on the head and that must've been quite a surreal experience for you, Libby. And, I'm, and when you say you were in denial, I think anyone would be because no one wants to get kind of a diagnosis of a chronic disease, right? Um, no one wants to know that their loved one's suffering from something that sadly is not currently curable. So I can imagine that's quite overwhelming for you. But I just wondered, obviously you said that research what happened like seven years ago. When did, if it has, when did it kind of kick in that this is actually happening and we need to do something about it? Mm-hmm. So initially, um, you know, my coping skills weren't best you know (laughs) um i i think i drank heavily a lot when we were starting to kind of go through that of just dealing with the situation that we were dealing with right Mm -hmm. um but then learning that okay this is happening um i need to first learn or learn that i need to take care of myself right so initially you know i learned that i need to be able to take care of myself right um because if I'm not taking care of myself as a caregiver and as a spouse, mm-hmm. I'm going to be no good for him or anybody else for that matter. Um, I never really considered myself a caregiver though, um, but we did go into advocating then and um, I went into like full on caregiver mode, like, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to advocate here and this, and we're not going to let this affect us because this could really destroy us we could allow this to either destroy us or make us stronger and make Mm -hmm. us better so we you know kind of went into full advocacy mode then and we're talking you know holding talks at our in our local area bfw and different things like that we my husband actually wrote a research funding proposal we went to capitol hill talked to some of our elected officials um you know this was 2017 18 or so um, we're like, okay, we need, we need funding for these PET scans for our military service members to see what the prevalence is, right? You know, you've got, I know in one of the episodes, Georgia, you talked about service members, like 350,000 service mm-hmm. members yeah. who have came, came back from the service with a traumatic brain injury. Actually, that number is higher than that. Um, the latest research that I seen or the numbers that I seen was like 450 to 460,000. And is that even accurate, you know, or is there mm, even yeah. more? And then also like, do they, are they just documenting one-time TBIs or are they, you know, like, so this guy had a TBI once, how many more has he had, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, sadly, it's definitely more prevalent than people think. And if we actually, I know we spoke a bit about this on the last podcast, didn't we, Tricia? But going kind of back, most soldiers or veterans, they they are blasted. They are suffering from these traumatic brain injuries, undoubtedly, with all the shocks and, and things that go on, sadly, as part of their service. And I think you're right, Libby, that not everything gets documented. So these statistics aren't really showcasing how severe this kind of epidemic is, shall we say. So that's why it's really important for organizations like Coming Home Well to, to do what they're doing and share the realities of it. Going back to when, obviously, your husband um, had the research, 
what points did you get into coming home well and this veteran support or was that before the research? No, actually it was after the research that we went through. Like I said, we kind of did some advocacy work. We did some talks and things like that. We went to National Institute of Health. They invited us to talk about traumatic brain injury as it relates to sleep um, and sleep apnea because my husband has sleep mm-hmm. apnea, which a lot of these guys who have traumatic traumatic brain injury have issues with their sleep right um and then he was um invited us to do an interview a radio interview for coming home well when they were doing radio video interviewing mm-hmm. and uh, we became a part of the organization around 2019 18 19 um, and just really um, decided that we wanted to put our energy into advocacy work um, for our military and our families. So that's when we become involved with coming home well. Um, we've done a couple brain injury panels with Dr. Pearl um, from the Department of Defense. He's one of the researchers there um, for brain injury in our military. So we were able to hold a couple brain injury panels. So the 60 Minutes episode that my husband and myself were on, they actually highlighted another military veteran, Sergeant Ke- Kevin Ash. And his mother, Joy Kiefer, um, we were able to connect with her and meet her after the show. And um, she was able to come and be a part of that brain injury panel as well, where he had um, succumbed to his injuries, brain injury. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, can I ask um, with your husband, what what were the first neurological symptoms and did he have any behavioral symptoms before that or at all that you could share? So, um Neurologically, um, it started with a tremor in his hand. Um, it, it has eventually progressed to full on body. So his head, uh, his tongue. So he'll have a hard time. Um, sometimes he'll have a hard time saying words. One day we were driving down the road and he like locked, he's like, uh, 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 and I'm like, what? And he's like, I can't move my mouth. His, uh-huh. his jaw had locked up. And his tongue was like stuck, like he just couldn't. And it fight, he's just like eventually it like released or whatever. But so he's had a lot of that, a lot of um, spasticity, just very uncomfortable. It's really, it's really sad to watch him wake up every day and just be in so much pain all the time. Um, he has a baclofen pump now that helps him with um, some of the muscle spasms and things like that. Um, mentally, he was really depressed. I know when he first came home, I was attributing his withdrawal behavior um, to just coming back, you know, from overseas and reintegrating back into family life and, and all of that. Eventually that um, depression became more of a clinical depression to where it was really tough to get him out of bed. Um, mm. you know, I would go to work. I would work. I was working a full-time job at that time. And I would be afraid to what I was going to come home to, you know, mm. like, what am I going to walk into? Um, mm. he was very suicidal. He's had multiple suicide attempts and it's just been a real struggle that way. Mentally, um, he was having some not great decision-making, you know, like his decision-making was starting to be not so great. Um, I would notice like, he likes to cook a lot, um, but I would notice him start to leave things on, like the stove on or things like that. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. So that didn't really start getting worse um, as far as that goes until later on. Um, they do have him on like a a cognitive medication to kind of boost his 
um, brain cognition. So he's not so, he didn't have so much brain fog. Yeah. Um, as far as like erratic behavior and like anger and things like that, there's been a few times that he's, you know, been agitated and angry and you just kind of know when how to approach mm. right the conversation or the, the you know that instance at one time you don't want to go sometimes I would be like all in like or, or, you know but it was learning how to yeah. kind of it was learning to be able to communicate with each other without like jumping down each other's throats you know what I mean so so the rage he doesn't have a ton of rage his is more depression like the clinical depression aspect mm -hmm. of it he's broken a couple of chairs here and there but nothing like it's not been physical or anything like, like that thank god so have they started. done a, a what's called a dat scan the dopamine i mean have they ruled out parkinson's for your husband or early onset no they have not ruled it out um they are treating him like he has parkinson's they're treating him with a medication for, for parkinson's and he's mm -hmm. been on that for probably three or four years, I would say. Yeah. May I ask, how much would you attribute his poor mental health to being a veteran? And how much would you attribute it to kind of traumatic brain injury and suspected CTE? I just wondered what your thoughts were on that. So obviously we know that a lot of veterans sadly do come home and suffer with PTSD and depression from what they've dealt with in, in the war zone. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wondered mm -hmm. what your thoughts were and what how much it links to kind of him as a, his role or how much it links to the the neurological side it is a great question and I've actually thought of that like okay what are because the PTSD symptoms and traumatic brain injury symptoms are so intertwined right and what what is a, a traumatic a full-on traumatic brain injury ver symptoms versus just PTSD and so one of the things that that helps us to realize it is TBI related is he has the issues with his pituitary. So we found out that his pituitary issues, his pituitary, actually the pituitary sits in the brain like a little punching bag. His looks like a crescent moon. So it's it's from the blast, the sheer blast from the IEDs that he was um, exposed to. Just, you know, the that blast wave just goes straight through the skull right into the brain, you know, and it's just beating it around. Um, so he had the pituitary issues, the testosterone, um, he started having Sleep. not have, he was not producing testosterone. Mm -hmm. Um, so we started having to give him injections. I was getting him injections every 10 days. Now I think he's every five days that he takes his injections. Um, he's been on that since his mid twenties, probably he had just, his body just stopped producing. Let's it's see. just so young, isn't it? So young. He's so young, so young. Um, you know, like the erectile dysfunction, that was a thing, you know, and then trying to like navigate that as, as like a man, you know, that's like, it's a big deal. Right. Um, so trying to like mm. navigate that, finding the right medication and then just really learning each other's body language so that, you know, even if we can't be physical or couldn't be physical at that time, that we learn each other's love language and because he's more of like the physical touch and that kind of thing. And so just kind of learning mm -hmm. how to communicate with each other on that level too, um, mm -hmm. because it's a big deal that takes a, you know, it takes a lot away from, you know, a marriage. If you can't have that physical intimacy, it is better now. Um, so the medication and things like that, and just 
really realizing that you don't have to have intercourse or sexual intercourse to love each other and share that love, right? Now we have had marital issues as well, right? Um, he was, like I said earlier, he was making some poor impulsive decisions and things like that. So there was some infidelity. That was really tough for a while. We got divorced for a couple of years. Um, we are back together and married. Um, but it's really just recognizing that both both of us are flawed and we both make mistakes, right? And can learn how to communicate with each other better and decide what's important and what you what you're gonna put up with and what you're not gonna put up with, right? So mm. yeah. But I think it just shows how much this disease whether it's suspected ct whether it's the parkinson's traumatic brain injury impacts every aspect of someone's life i mean it's really hard whilst you're in the moment of it especially when you're seeing these symptoms and it might be a new diagnosis to try and navigate it and not put blame on on the person or the relationship and and actually when you work through it you realize that it's causing these problems and I think, yeah, that's what people need to remember that, especially when there's not a lot of information and going on to that, I just mm -hmm. wondered whether when you've obviously listened to our podcast, a lot of our guests are NFL wives or people who have been mm -hmm. massively into sport and elite athletes and they've passed away from from CTE, sorry. Um, so I just wondered whether from your perspective, there is a lot of research on CTE in veterans or whether that's just not kind of readily available as much as NFL wives is it is it out there and no one's talking about it or is it just not quite there yet it's out there um it is happening um they are doing research at Boston University they are doing research at the Department of uh, Defense um it is out there I whether or not it's readily available or not uh, maybe not so much um I I think that it's getting out there more and more the more people talk about it right um, mm -hmm. And I think it's so important and great that military and our athletes can come together and work together, you know, on this common goal, right? So I know that I'd said that our, our Coming Home Well has podcasts and one of our hosts is Susie Landolfi, and she is the clinical director of Merging Vets and Players, which is an organization that um, supports combat veterans and former athletes to get them together for mentorship and um, just healing. Um, so that's been a blessing um, that we've, we've been able to connect in that way. And I just think that as, as military families, yeah, we are, we are affected by brain injury and CTE. And I think the more that we talk about it and people like myself or Joy or any of the other guests that you have come on talk about it, you know, the more people will become aware of it for sure, mm -hmm. yeah. And as a caregiver, do you feel supported? As in, um, like, do you feel like there's enough information, enough resources out there now for you to be able to get the information you need and, and benefit your ability to caregive in a way that's effective for your partner? So um, now I, I do, I do just because I've been looking for, you know, for the resources and, and um, kind of searching for them. Initially, you know, I wanted to kind of talk about the um the service members and their families that are coming back um from overseas and they are if they are affected by a traumatic brain injury before they get out of the service the department of defense has a requirement to these families that they need to be educating them 
and preparing them for what they are to face long-term, right? What are the long-term effects going to be for one of our service members um, who are affected by traumatic brain injury? Mm-hmm. Um, when he got out of the service, like I said, I was in college. I kind of knew about traumatic brain injury. I didn't really know a thing about CTE or anything like that or what blasts and the impact of that had on the brain. And so learning as I go, you know, you it makes more sense as to why he's having the issues that he's having. But yeah, I, I feel like, you know, now there are programs out there for caregivers for veteran caregivers, you know, that's a, an issue across the board of, mm-hmm. you know, military service, service members are coming back overseas from, you know, these wars that are having all of these effects, but it's also affecting the families. You know, it's not just affecting the service member. And so there are organizations now, Caregivers on the Home Front is an organization that works with caregivers. Operation Family Caregiver is another organization that's great. But as far as like CTE, knowledge, education, support Mm -hmm. in that aspect, there isn't as of right now. I know that there's online groups and things like that, the the CTE caregivers uh, support online. So yeah, and then just having friends that have been affected too, you know, friends of service members that have been affected by traumatic brain injury and just having that support around you. Mm -hmm. And did you both have your family around and did they notice the changes in your husband and did they understand you know a lot of times they don't see it until Mm -hmm. you know they're further into their disease sure so initially um once my husband came home from the service um there was a lot of relational issues within the family unit um and since then it took us divorcing really um for his family to recognize the severity of what's going on with him because he moved in with them. So then they were, they seen him every day and they seen what he experiences on a daily basis. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, so now they're, they're recognizing. And now, now they live like his, his parents live like two doors down from us, which is so beneficial because oh, now wonderful. we have that support. Yeah. We have that support um, right there and they can help take him to doctors or you know, go to visits and things like that when I can't be there. Um, so it has been helpful. And I, you know, I asked, I talked to my husband about doing the interview, you know, and prepping it and, and all of that. And he said, you know, as rough as it was for us to divorce, it was good because it caused us to really focus on healing ourselves individually and then, you know, coming back together. So you know, there is benefits to that. It kind mm-hmm. of sucked at the time, right? <laughs> but yeah. That's that's sweet. Um, Does your husband do a lot of talking about his experience whilst he's living with it at the moment? Like, does he speak to, like, does he go on podcasts? Does he speak about what he's going through? Yeah, he has. He's went on to a couple of podcasts. He went on to the uh, Radio Sean Talk. He spoke with the National Institute of Health. Um, yeah, he's willing to talk to whoever will listen, right? Um, and so, and then we've just been advocating for, you know, brain injury awareness and brain donation. And so he decided that, so once he was a part of this research study for the radio tracer, um, he decided that he was going to pledge his brain to the department of defense brain bank with Dr. Pearl. 
Mm -hmm. So he, he did that as well, um, just for research later. Um, he told me the other day that he wanted to, he wanted half his brain to be, to go to the Department of Defense and then the other half to go to Dr. Uh, Ann McKee at the BU. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if you can do that or not, but I'll check. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Maybe. I don't see why not. Yeah. I don't know. But he no. wants to help. He wants to help everybody is the point. He wants, he wants his brain yeah. to be out there helping all the people that it can. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, serving after you serve, right. That's like, that's just what you do. Mm -hmm. so, yeah if he's obviously interested and in, i know he doesn't have to say yes but it might be quite nice for us to speak to him and have him on one of the episodes because we haven't actually got anyone that's living with anything at the moment and mm -hmm. being the patient of someone's either with tbi or parkinson's or suspected cce so it might be quite nice to hear the person going through its perspective um sure yeah and not only that but there's not that many people that have been able to have the type of um, because your husband was a part of that research study have that tracer mm. study done yeah mm -hmm. which is really interesting right? yeah we haven't heard really, that yet it's not supposed to be well they're still saying that you cannot be diagnosed with CTE till post-mortem but they're they they are advancing and apparently yeah I mean, I'd I've love heard to of hear, a couple people yeah I'd love to hear that side of his experience of going through that and I mean I think when you're around someone and you're their partner, you know them inside out. And sometimes you know them better than yourself, right? But yeah. I think with this particular situation, I think it'd be really refreshing to hear the perspective of someone who's suffering from the symptoms. And I'd love to know whether they've noticed the changes in themselves because we know from things like dementia and Alzheimer's that they don't actually know that they've got dementia and Alzheimer's. It's just their brain changes and they don't know any different. So I think it'd be right. really interesting to see, like I said, their perspective of, of the changes. Yeah. He's yeah. said, you know, like I, I miss who I used to be, you know, like, when I noticed it, um, like his personality was starting to change, um, when he first got back and things like that, it was like, he's a funny guy. Like he just, he uses humor to help, you know, deal with life. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and he wasn't, he just wasn't joking around like he used to. Um, so that was just, you know, that was like a subtle change that you start to kind of recognize. Um, but we, yeah, we do try to use humor to, deal with life right because mm -hmm. um you know as you know cte isn't something that uh is curable um brain injury isn't something that's curable you have to treat the symptoms and dealing with those symptoms can sometimes be overwhelming but i think finding the right doctors you know we, he has um, the best neurologist in the va right now um who's really interested in his care and like how we can, he can live uh, a more fulfilled life that's not so um, challenging. So mm -hmm. we've been very lucky in that aspect because that wasn't always the case. Um, finding a doctor that, you know, was like, okay, so we're dealing with this symptom, this symptom, this symptom, let's try and, you know, see mm -hmm. what we can do overall to make you feel better. Yeah. I feel like that's a very, that's a commonality, especially when these individuals suffering are so young because it's such an invisible disease. Like, people just look at them and think oh you're young you're fit you're healthy because you see an 80 year old walk through the door and say oh they must have dementia because they're old because that's what we associate right so it's all about right. challenging that stigma and that invisible diseases can be really challenging and we need to be taking these 
people more seriously no matter the age oh yeah absolutely if you look at my husband you would be like well unless he's got you know like a twitch going on at that Mm -hmm. particular time but um if you look at him he looks fine you know Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't be able to tell so that i mean it is an invisible injury and so i think that we do need to have better outreach um better education within the medical community as a whole not just military medical community but the military or medical community as a whole Mm. um, of what are the you know what are the ways in which we can treat traumatic brain injury what are these symptoms that we're seeing what are some commonalities that we're seeing like Mm. you know going back to obviously thank you so much for sharing your story and and what you're dealing with with your husband I'm so glad that he's got support but also more importantly that you've got the support around you um Mm -hmm. I just wanted to touch upon what you do with coming home well so for all our listeners Libby runs the podcast behind the service podcast through coming home well so I just wondered if you could touch upon what you do who you speak to on the podcast and and what the non-profit organization does to support veterans and their caregivers so our mission at coming home well is to educate support and advocate for our military families and their veterans when they come home and return home from war uh, or just service in general Um, We speak to a lot of, we have a lot of different podcasts um, associated with the organization. We have a network of podcasts, actually, and we speak with uh, civilians, um, doctors, scientists, um, nonprofit organizations um, that have a heart to serve our military families and uh, our veterans. Um, So if you go over to our website, it's uh, www.cominghomewell.com, and you can check out that, look at our team. Um, the organization, uh, we have a coming home well podcast, straight to the point podcast, which is with, uh, the former undersecretary of the department of veterans affairs administration, uh, Paul Lawrence. And, um, we talk, we also have Donna Hoffmeyer, Jay Johnson, who are two veterans and they host behind beyond the front line, which helps veterans reach integrate back into civilian life uh, once they're out of the service. We have Mike Kim, who was a veteran. He was a psychoanalyst, and he talks about uh, veteran readjustment culture. Dr. Tiffany Tajiri is a clinical psychologist. She wrote a book called Peace After Combat, and so her podcast is going to after her book, and her and her husband speak on that and uh, spiritual the healing of spiritual and psychological wounds of war from a faith-based perspective. And then we also partnered with Women in Warrior, which is, and they have a Freedom Sisters podcast, and that is a podcast of two female veterans, and they their mission is to restore and revive the hearts of our military service member connected women. So we, we have a li- large variety of different podcasts. We also try to host events throughout the year if we can. Um, you know, about brain injury and education. So it's really just a passion project of, of my husband and I. We, we joined Coming Home Well in 2018 or 19, and um, we just use our time to advocate that way. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I, I can't wait to take a look at the website. Yeah, yeah, definitely mm-hmm. check it out. There's a lot of great resources on there. There's a resource page on there. You can read all about our hosts and things like that. But everybody in our organization is a volunteer um, and they do this um, just because they have a heart to serve our veterans and our families. So Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that there's a resource and 
because obviously we've mentioned it before concussion legacy foundation's such a big one for cte yes. so it's yes. so lovely to hear that there is obviously such great work going on for the veteran community so we do really thank you for that and I'm so excited about this collaboration. Hopefully that we can start to raise more and more awareness about CTE with veterans too and point people in support of the, in the right ways. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us, um, sharing, you know, what are, what are intimate and hard details to talk about, you know, um, I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm open about most things, you know, I, I telling the truth and, and, um, making people aware of things, no matter how much it might damage my reputation or her. So I understand. Yeah. That. Um, it's not easy, but we just do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been so great to have you on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys so for having good. me. I appreciate you so much. So oh my it's gosh. Been lovely to you. have you. Thank you yeah. for everything you're doing as well. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Libby. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye-bye. See you later, Libby. Bye. Bye. That is the end of today's episode, everyone. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next week, Monday at eight o'clock for the next episode of CTE Talk. I hope everyone has a great week as usual and we will see you later. Bye.